Welcome to Season 5 of the Shock Your Potential Podcast with your host, best-selling author and international speaker, Michael Sherlock. The Shock Your Potential Podcast is dedicated to entrepreneurs looking to up their game, increase their income, and scale their businesses to new heights. Shock Your Potential is a professional services company providing affordable services to small businesses, matching entrepreneurs with virtual assistants, and offering specialized leadership and sales training to companies around the world. Learn more today at shockyourpotential.com and listen in now to another motivating episode that will help you to shock your potential. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. I am your host, Michael Sherlock, and all month long, we are talking to authors with a little bit of a twist. Why a twist? Because everybody's reason for writing a book and getting it out into the world is a little bit different, and the backstories to these are fascinating to me. Let me tell you about my guest today, Michael S. Siever, and there's a reason that that S is in there for his middle name, Scott. We're going to hear that, too. As an award-winning executive coach, leadership consultant, keynote speaker, and also an author, and he's on a mission to unlock human potential, our own potential, you know, I love the word potential, to help us undercover, not undercover, that wouldn't be good, but we could uncover and live our purpose to, you know, in essence, live a more meaningful and authentic life. Now, he has a unique methodology. It's revolutionized how leaders can live authentically and how organizations can engage employees. And boy, do we know that's important today more than ever. Now, through this, he offers no-nonsense strategies to help us find confidence in our own life's narrative, also finding commonalities across all the different generations we have working together, and to find ways to communicate with emotional intelligence. Now, his newest book is called, I Know, A Practical Guide for Awakening to What's Within and Finding Work-Life Integration. It's a how-to guide that he uses with his clients, walking us through the three phases of personal transformation. So, you know, we're going to want to know about that and the nine processes that you can complete alone or with trusted friends. Now, the book tells his own raw and authentic story. It offers research-based psychological truths, and it is full of real-world client examples. So things that he's seen and, and dealt with every day. Michael, thank you for being with us today. It is absolutely my pleasure. Thank you, Michael, for having me. Absolutely. I'm very excited. I love the name of your book. <laughs> I don't know if that's the way you usually say it. It's like, I know. <laughs> but to me, that's, you know, kind of that awareness within ourselves is once we reach some awareness, we actually do know. And sometimes it's a little bit with, I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, you nailed it. It's that I just really want people at the most depth to trust their own intuition. And that's why the title is what it is. Oh, I love it. Well, so tell us a little bit more about you, your business, and how you help clients to shock their potential. Uh, so you mentioned my middle name being Scott. So the full name, Michael S. Siever. And uh, I had to kind of brand myself as such because I couldn't be known as Mike Siever, Kirk Cameron and Growing Pains. Mm-hmm. Uh, or I couldn't go by Michael Scott because of Steve Carell in the office. So I had to find something that was a little bit unique and different. Uh, but I was raised in a very small town in West Michigan and uh, in the family landscaping, law maintenance and snow plowing business. And at age 23, I left Michigan and moved to the state of Arizona. And I started working uh, at the Four Seasons Resort in North Scottsdale. So I learned an awful lot about customer service and giving back and anticipating guest needs. And then in the year 2008, uh, I was going through the process of divorce, which was a a pretty gnarly experience. And then I started an MBA at the Thunderbird School of Global Management, where I first learned at age 29 
that coaching was meant to be a part of my future. So I had never, ever considered coaching as being a part of something that I should do or consider. So after I finished the MBA, I took a full-time job at one of the nation's largest healthcare systems as the director of talent sourcing. But I knew in the back of my mind that I wanted to coach, but I just didn't know how it was going to play out. So thankfully, in February 2011, I launched my coaching practice as it is now, and it has been a pretty wild journey, Michael, like going through the ups and downs of, of coaching and the various things that I've done in that process. And so today, right, if we kind of fast forward to today, I am an executive coach. I do offer team training. I have changed organizational cultures. I do speak publicly or serve as MC for events. I have online courses. Of course, we talked about the, the book I know. I have a newsletter that's for members only. But I share all of that to say is that my life's mission is really about how do I unlock potential? And I know you like that word and love that word because mm -hmm. it's on your website and you mention it too. But I really do value authenticity, spirituality, and growth, right? I know that my life's work as a coach is to give other people hope uh, because there's so many things in society that are strange right now. We, we need something to know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. So through now more than 11 years of serving as a coach and helping people, I've spent thousands of hours helping people grow through their most challenging experiences, mm. overcome loss, process fear, do the emotional release. I've helped a lot of folks define what their life's mission is or define what their personal brand is, and then figure out ways that they can share them openly. I've helped, and you mentioned this a bit ago, it's like, how do you help people understand emotional intelligence and really deepen that so that their most important relationships be can become even deeper? And I've also really enjoyed through some of the training and consulting to be able to help people become coaches that then create an entire ecosystem inside of a company or organization mm -hmm. for other coaches, right? Which I think is really important. But coming back to the book, I know, right? It's really is about how do we learn to trust our intuition to know that all of the answers to life's most difficult questions are actually already inside ourselves. And that's really what I want people to understand about the last 11 years of me serving as a coach is that we always can trust our own intuition, or as you've said on a previous podcast with, with Alexander Thibodeau, that, you know, when we're highly sensitive people, or we can pick up on emotions really quickly, that's a gift. Yeah. And I just, I want people to really tap into that for themselves. Oh, so much in there. I've already taken so many notes. Um, so I want to just step back a little bit to this, this kind of sense of really not just trusting your intuition, but really becoming who and what you're supposed to be um, through one of the things that I think is a blessing that's come out of the pandemic is that I think people are much more likely now to be more real, um, real leaders, real in their office environments. They're you know, there's, there's this sense we've, we had it broken down when people couldn't be together, but their cats are walking by, and, you know, I can't, mine's outside at the moment. So she, she won't get in the way today, but, you know, or their kids are, are, you know, trying to get them to come play with them. Um, and those have peeled back some of those facades that I think that people still held on to, to be the perfect boss or be the perfect employee, or, you know, to live almost um, separate roles between personal and professional. Have you seen a difference in people gaining more confidence of now still living with their, their true personas now that we're going back to more um, office and, and remote and, you know, hybrid work environments? I believe so. And that's a great deduction on your behalf is that th there 
for a couple of years at the beginning of the pandemic, we were taught that we're far more capable of change than we ever thought we were able to do. Yeah. We were also taught to self-express. And so people were learning to express emotions in ways they hadn't. And because we were staying at home in many situations, people were able to deepen relationships. And I think that two-year process really helped individuals get back to understanding their own selves in a very deep way that they might not have before. Mm -hmm. But because they did that work, we've now transitioned into a time where people are really actively considering entrepreneurship. They're considering being an independent agent. They're separating themselves from hierarchical or corporations and organizations, and they're really doing their own thing. So my intuition tells me is that we are not going back to life as it was three years ago. We're moving forward into a very different time in human history where people are going to stand in their truths in ways that they never have before. Mm, I love that stand in their truths. And it's interesting because, you know, I, I get interviewed a lot by the media and I've had a lot of questions about, you know, the great resignation and is this what people should be doing? And what if they left and they didn't, you know, they didn't really want to, or what if they, you know, what if they want to go back? And one of the things that I think is really interesting is that people are hopefully saying, okay, if I did leave, or if I did make a change, you know, it's not just about negotiating work from home opportunities or more, you know, a four day work week. It's really about taking time to understand what's important to you and being able to recognize it and not use it as a weapon, you know, to try and get that next greatest job, but to really try and reflect why do I want these things? What does this mean for me? How do I do it and still show up at work and be a great employee and a great colleague and a great leader? Um, I think it requires us to think even deeper. In, I think my, my prediction is the next level of leadership is that person who can recognize those things within their team and try to figure out how to pull the best out of them while they're still struggling with, well, why am I doing all these things? And is it really just because I want to work from you know home in my pajamas three days a week? I mean, we have to ask deeper questions of, of our organizations. I totally agree. You know, you go back to the 80s and the 90s and Jack Welch had kind of instituted this idea that you could be a jerk and you could design structures where uh, you rank and yank people. And then the same thing happened with Steve Jobs and then it happened with Jeff Bezos. And so that kind of patriarchal, a uh, very command and control, very divide and conquer culture is very rapidly being replaced right now. I completely agree with you, Michael, that we've moved into a time in human history where the, the ethos is actually much more about aligning and empowering people, mm. not, not dictatorially telling them what to do, but more so asking them how it might be done, right? So we're definitely moving to a place that's very holocratic. It's very decentralized. There's a lot of transparency. And our job as coaches and leaders is to help people believe in themselves in ways that they might not have before. Mm -hmm. So my hope is, is that we move to a time, and I really believe this to be true, that it's almost like the human soul is now making its way into the workplace. <laughs> yeah. Like, I really believe that's happening. Yeah. And I think it will be interesting to see how we evolve through this, because there are also people who've kind of taken advantage of this time, you know, who aren't, I, I remember talking to somebody about six months into the pandemic and he was like, oh yeah, I just had gotten hired right before this. This is great. I put in maybe a couple hours a day and they think I'm working hard. And I was like, I can't believe you just said that out loud to me. I mean, I really can't. That's, I mean, that's not only is that ballsy, but wow, what that, that shows a complete lack of respect. So I think it's interesting. I, I think it's in Denmark. I just heard um, uh, that there's this going to this large scale test with like 
30,000 people where they're going to be able to test and be a part of companies testing out a four day work week and not 40 hours in four days, but a four, but like one less full day. And, um, but the, the deal is, is you have to agree that you're going to be as productive as you were before. And so what I'm, what I'm curious about is how many people really see this now as an opportunity to do more and better things in less time, have less waste, um, but really be focused on, you know, what am I going to do? What, what am I delivering for that paycheck? Uh, instead of, I don't know. I mean, this is, <laughs> I, we're either going to get great things out of this, or we're still going to get some, you know, people yeah. that are pulling it to the bottom. <laughs> there, there. Well, you know, you go back to Gallup and their work around employee engagement, and, and year over year over year, there's always the 16 percent, sometimes 17 percent, according to Gallup statistics, that are actively disengaged and that are literally drilling holes in the bottom of the organization's boat. Right? They're letting water in. So those folks are going to continue to exist for quite some time. And I, I believe that that will still continue to occur. But my belief is that we're moving to this time where because it's going to be more okay to discuss personal issues and emotions at work, maybe there's this, uh, like the show Billions and having the idea of a staff psychologist, maybe we're going to talk about those things more. We're going to see this, this kind of consciousness, the spirituality kind of be making its way into a business setting. So I think that we've moved to a time where people are slowing down, trusting their intuition and finding a much more objective framework with how to distribute their time into things that they genuinely care about. Mm -hmm. And because people are aligning today, their core values with the business that has similar core values with an impact in society that has a similar value, we're going to see much, much higher levels of productivity, but not from that 16 or 17%, right? They're still finding themselves, yep. but I, but I think we're moving to a time where there's going to be much more alignment. Yeah. I love it. Well, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to hear from our sponsor for the month and we will be right. Do you want to be a go-to expert that news reporters, anchors, and media producers turn to? Are you a media professional looking for credible, reliable, and timely guests? If you answered yes to either of those questions, then shock your media potential is for you. This one-of-a-kind platform connects vetted experts with news professionals around the globe. As a part of our launch celebration, you can participate for free in our Shock Your Media Potential virtual conference running March 28th through April 1st. Together with my co-host, Eddie Luisi, known as stage manager to the stars, and also stage manager for Good Morning America, we have interviewed 25 media personalities and professionals to ask them the questions you need to know the answers to. Like, how can I make myself more newsworthy? How do I best pitch a story? How do I get invited back again and again? And much more. Some of our guests are household names with exceptional on-camera careers. Others are award-winning directors, producers, camera operators, audio engineers, celebrity hair and makeup professionals, and so much more. To learn more about our platform and our conference today, go to shockyourmediapotential.com. And we are back with Michael S. Siever. Um, and I'm, I do want to talk more about your book, but before something you said right before the break really got me, you know, thinking about this, you know, idea from billions, billion, whatever that is, um, having a staff psychologist, or like you talked about 
creating and empowering, you know, people in probably within HR, but also within leadership to coach and develop and, and uh, mentor people. I mean, what a great opportunity for businesses to realize that that kind of investment in their people, especially if you have a lot more people working hybrid or, you know, remote part-time, that is a great opportunity to not just, you know, have it be, I want to, you know, have everybody be touchy feely, but really to have people say, let's have some tough discussions and some honest discussions about productivity, happiness in the work environment, um, feeling like you have a voice in a company. Those kind of things could really transform an organization. Oh my gosh. Yeah. There's, there's a number of organizations that I've come across globally that are really doing that. They're genuinely trying to find a way to make sure that they're not just re- re- relying on an employer resource, you know, program or like an EAP or, you know, a 1-800 mm-hmm. number. They're genuinely not only up-leveling or upskilling the human resources team, but they're literally bringing staff psychologists and putting them on staff, right? Yeah. To allow for a much more connected or work-life integration, if you will. So I've seen that happen quite a bit. I've actually been on contract with multiple organizations to serve as that person. Mm-hmm. So I've seen it firsthand and how valuable it can be because mm. we've moved to this, what astrologists refer to as the age of Aquarius, which you've launched into really recently. And that in that, right, we have to be able to be our whole selves, very transparent inside the workplace. So the organizations that are upskilling their leaders, their human resources team, or by bringing external third-party subject matter experts into their, into their fold, they're the ones that are going to have the most engaged and productive staff. Yeah, no kidding. And that can, you know, I mean, in some cases, I think we have to be realistic. There's a lot of businesses that cannot feasibly exist over the long term with only remote work. You know, there, there, and there is a need for all of us to have social engagement that's not just video to video, but coming back to work has a lot of other emotional aspects to it. Separation from your kids, separation from your pets. Um, the the uh, the disgust with having a commute again. You know, there's a lot of things that are very real that if we make better um, decisions about how we can talk about these things realistically, then, you know, I, I was almost thinking about, you know, the, the old, the original movie, Nine to Five, uh, which by the way, I, I was talking to some people, we went to a play of Nine to Five several years ago and the people we went with had no idea there was an actual original movie. I don't even know if they knew who Dolly Parton was, but regardless of that, but I just think about the changes they made, you know, when the bad boss was out, you know, they brought in a daycare and, you know, they had flexible work schedules and they, you know, got a treatment program for people who had substance abuse issues. And that's such a great opportunity that if we actually talk more about what does it mean to work in a healthy work environment, we could create new things that would make returning to the office, even if it's a couple of days a week, not only more palatable, but much more supportive and nurturing. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's significant value in, in us looking at the office as being a place to come together, especially if we're predominantly working from home or some other place. And so the organizations that create the, the ambiance or the environment that the office has become a meeting place and they structure the environment accordingly mm-hmm. are going to be the ones that get the most out of their workforces. So instead of putting them back in an office or into a cubicle of sorts, now is the time to create those collaborative workspaces where people can truly express themselves mm-hmm. in a more uh, connected environment, if you will. And mm-hmm. I just think that's really important that organizations think about that, that the office is no longer where work happens. It's where groups of employees come together. And when they wrap their mind around that, it's going to become a very, very good place for people to want to go to. 
You know, and I didn't even think about that. Think about just the difference of, you know, the desire of the corner office, but really the, the, the environment of when I get to go to the office, it's a place where I can connect and meet and collaborate and, and have that communion. And then I can still be at home for other times and get work done and put my nose down. So I think that's fantastic. Well, I know I want to talk just a little bit more specifically about your book. What I always love to ask this question, what made you have that driving desire to write and publish this, this book, this information? The, uh, obviously I shared that I've been in coaching for about 11 years and for probably eight of those years at the beginning, I had a number of clients and people in my community suggest that I should write a book based on my experiences, but also on uh, the, the things that I've helped clients with. And I was so introverted, so shy, so quiet that I rebuffed every single time that they suggested that I do this. <laughs> and then, and I'm being quite honest, like I'm, I'm a tremendous introvert. Uh, I just love to be alone. Uh, but what ended up happening in March of 2020 was, is that I, I got this epiphany as a result of the beginning of the pandemic and the stay at home orders. So I reached out to a writing coach that I had known and she said, yeah, my, some of my other clients uh, just, you know, did a temporary pause. I said, okay, this is the universe's sign that I need to do this now. And so the, the summer of 2020 was an enormously challenging emotional time for me because I was confronting a lot of my own fears and kind of converting myself from an introvert into an extrovert to tell some of the stories that I tell in the book, because I opened the book talking about how I contemplated suicide and how my cat saved me, right? My cat literally saved my life. Oh. And, and then I move into some of the things that you just described about the, the kind of the nine chapters and the processes. So over years, I had been given encouragement. And then finally, in March of 2020, I saw the writing on the wall saying, okay, now is the time to do this. And I'm so glad that I did because it opened up some really tremendous doors that I wouldn't have considered otherwise. Mm -hmm. So I had to challenge myself and get really deep into my own heart and soul to tell the stories that I told, but it has opened up doors that I would have never, ever considered. So I'm so thankful I did. Oh, very good. It's, it's different for everyone. I mean, some people are just compelled. Um, you know, that's how I've been with my books and I've got more in the, you know, in the making other people, the stories are those moments where it just said, okay, everything's aligning. It's time to do it. Um, but it's, I just think it's really fascinating, especially at this time when any of us have the ability to share what we, what we know, what we've learned, what we, you know, our messages, the way we do. And uh, to, to know that, you know, that what we share with people has an impact on them, it's really powerful. I don't care if only one person bought my book and make, if that person is impacted, you know, then, then it was worth all the effort to do it. Oh, I agree. I, I think it was uh, author Daniel Pink that I had listened to something that he said, and he said, if you can write a book and tailor it for 1000 people, what would you say to those 1000 people? And I really took that to heart as I was working through the process of writing it. And, and so the, the more niche, the more specific that you are, the more depth, oftentimes the help that you can provide is. So I'm so thankful that I took that advice and really focused in on quality and not necessarily quantity, yeah. because it, it really has impacted people via like the messages that I get back on social media or text or email, that it really has impacted them. So I encourage everybody watching or listening to follow Michael's advice, like do that, do that, like take the time to really start to share yourself more openly because you never know who you're going to uplift. And to your point too, um, if you don't know how to start the process and, and you don't know, I know 
some amazing writing coaches. It's a really great option for some people to take. I've just always been a writer. So it was, it came easy to me. The editing part was horrible, but uh, if, if that's something that's holding anybody back, there are so many talented people out there that help guide authors through the process, because just because you're not quite sure where to start or how to all put the words together, doesn't mean you're not an author. The author's in there somewhere. If you have a message to share. Yeah. Well said. I love it. Well, Michael, we are going to have all of your contact information on our show notes, but sometimes people are like, I don't have time to look at the show notes. What's the best way for them to find you? Uh, the website, Michael, is michaelssieber.com. My middle name is Scott. So there's a second S in the center. So michaelssieber.com. Excellent. Now, before we go, you've already given us a lot of wisdom, but do you have any last words of wisdom or pearls of advice for my listeners and viewers? One of the things I tried to really parlay in the book was that I believe that all humans in their younger years go through a series of challenges. And then around age 28, 29, 30, they find a way to overcome the challenge and that their mission or their why or their purpose for the next 20 or 30 years is to help others overcome that exact same challenge for themselves. So challenge, overcome challenge, help others overcome the challenge. Now, I'm going to say that very simply by using the phrase, be the person you needed when you were younger. And if you do that, you're going to find tremendous meaning and joy in life. I love that. That is beautifully said and very poignant. I I love it very much. Michael, it has been an absolute pleasure getting to know you and learn more about you and all that you do. Thank you so much for being with us today. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you, Michael. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Shock Your Potential podcast. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com, including details on Michael's two best-selling books. Tell me more, how to ask the right questions and get the most out of your employees, and sales mixology, why the most potent sales and customer experiences follow a recipe for success. And as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and like us today.